In Mark 1, 17 through 18, it says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. All right, right off the bat, Jesus starts to sound like a really weird dude here, and I don't really have a taste for worms. This is day two. Welcome to the Journey Through Mark podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Mark can help us understand more about who God is and the story he's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to day two of the Journey Through Mark podcast. I'm here once again with Brendan Lang and Melissa Payne. Hi. Not big on worms. (laughs) I I think I know where you're going. (laughs) He doesn't want to be the person who is fished for. Listen, I don't want to be the one that's fished for, okay? (laughs) He doesn't like worms. I don't like worms. I don't like the process. Like when you're fishing, are worms that superior to hot dogs when you're fishing? fishing. Do you fish with hot dogs? Yes, that's, that's a real, do. that's a really big fish, like a big old not a whole fish. hot dog. You cut <laughs> you them up, cut Brendan. Them up. Oh my gosh, do they not have ponds in Iowa? <laughs> yeah, I go fishing, but I I use fake worms. Yeah, see, like fake worms, sure, but like real worms, like I tell me there's real worms. What do I use those? They were all squirmy, so I'd always make my dad put them on. Yeah, yeah, I don't I was like, like it. Nope. I don't want to do my it. My in-laws live on a lake. I always go bass fishing out there. and So do you use more like lures and not yeah, gotcha. actual worms? See, that's like acceptable because I mean, mm. it would still hurt if you're fishing for people, yeah. which is what it says here. <laughs> which and is that's what I'm saying is weird. Wait, Let, let's so talk about that. Tyler, have you ever swallowed a worm? Like no. while it's alive? Uh-uh. You never. When I'm you trying to remember kid? if this was, I remember no. like reading a book about this. Yes. Where they like put them in hot dog buns and ketchup. Something like that. Do you that? remember this? There was what? a song are you about, about it. Did it? Or, oh, it was a song. That's yeah. what it was. What it was, was like it? something, something, I guess I'll go eat worms. Something, I remember something. this faintly, yes. but I think it's not real. It. It's like a joke. It's <laughs> yes. like satire. I'll go eat worms. Yeah. I'm to the point where oh, I just don't like worms. I remembered it. And it's a horrible song. Nobody likes me. Everybody I hates me. Okay. I guess I'll I go eat I sang this worms. for the Bill Riley talent show. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You have like, time out. You sang it for a talent show? I was like five years old. Wait, was oh this when you were goodness. inventing your spill no well, more? No, this, this was in the summertime. <laughs> Powsheet County Fair. You sang this See, everybody thinks that I'm bringing Iowa into this. You are the one that's bringing all of the Iowa to this podcast. so tell me how you came to want to sing this song. This is probably my mom's choice. My family were all singers. My sisters are, they're my favorite singers in the world. I'm biased, but they're really good. My sister always won these and got to go compete at the Iowa State Fair. So she made you sing this song? I had to sing these songs. While your sister's winning? They all like, you know, give me a nice laugh and golf clap and good job little Brendan. Oh, he probably looked like little Hayden. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. So Cutie. that's where it was. I was like, <laughs> I, know. I, I feel like I was like, I, I know. I don't think song. I ever ate a worm, but I do remember at least Singing something about, about it. It. Yeah. it. Explains a lot of yeah. the self-esteem issues. <laughs> Nobody you had to likes sing me. that song Everybody in front of people. Hates me. Wow. I guess I'll go eat worms. Well, there's some weird stuff in today's Man. passage. This is kicking off the real readings. Mm. We got a lot of text to cover and more. More today. Mm-hmm. But here's my question for today: What's your favorite movie character of all time? Hmm. What's your favorite character? Okay, so. Don't laugh. Okay. But my favorite no character of all time is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Why would I laugh? I don't know. 
because it was the first time, like, when I saw that movie that I realized you don't just have to follow the social norm of, Mm. like, oh, once you get to this age, then you get married, then you have kids. And, like, she wanted adventure out in the world, and she wanted to, like— Yes, she loved to read. and Raging feminist. Right. And so maybe— Which is okay. (laughs) That was what I fell in love with. But I think she's just— the best character. And she's super brave. She stood up to the beast. Well, she tamed the beast, she right? Did. <laughs> That's the real underlying she made thing him that find movie. love. Yeah. It turns out that he was just being the external version of himself. Right. And mm. he needed to change the internal mm-hmm. version first. Mm. What about you, Brendan? Well, she's my favorite. I don't really think about like characters. If anything, I don't think this is the answer I would give for Indiana today. Jones, isn't it? <laughs> Indiana Jones, no. Uh, At hat. least when mm. I was younger, I would say Superman. Okay. Why Superman? I think in a lot of ways, he was Jesus for me. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he could fly. He, he was a savior. X-ray vision. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, so much of his character, it actually is a Jewish oh, you're right. writer who actually, <laughs> yeah. so there are okay, a lot of y'all know biblical, way too much about Superman. <laughs> there are a lot of biblical associations with Superman. And he's a messianic figure, comes from another Planet. world. Yeah, and, another yeah. world, savior of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like his one weakness is kryptonite. And I think mm-hmm. of like sin is sort of that which is antithetical to Jesus's nature. And he mm. takes it on himself mm. when he dies. Anyway, it's wow. Like this green so rock. there you can. Wow, so you, you haven't were... thought about it much. <laughs> I used to think about that but... a lot. Uh, <laughs> but you have you a whole... Jesus also overcomes super it. Spiritual there, at a young age. Superman rises from the dead. You might say in some yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess I like Superman. I will say now that I've gotten a little older and I appreciate a little more complexity sometimes in my characters. Superman isn't always the most complex character. Mm. Well, here's the thing. It's hard to identify as a human yeah. with <laughs> that, somebody well, who's but, like that. Yes. Wait, I, you don't I, think that he's complex? He's like Clark Kent and <laughs> like the <laughs> no, journalist and I, then I, he's Yes, that's complex. Superman. <laughs> what I mean is he's not so gray. Batman is a much more gray character. Oh, right? I see. There's not a lot of wrong to find in I swear to me. <laughs> I've got the Batman voice going on right now. There's yeah. not a lot of wrong to find in Superman. Right. Exactly. You sometimes see it, especially in some of the newer versions. But Which uh, sounds a bit I, like the, Jesus. What I do like, where I would resonate with Superman is the fact that that's something I wanted to strive for. Not like being able to fly and having, yeah. of course, I'd love to be able to do all that. But it's actually that he was a noble character. He wasn't proud. He could do all this, but he hid it because he wanted to take care of people. And there's something really noble about him that always inspired me to be my best self. Well, today we're going to talk about Jesus's character. We started to get a picture into that a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. What? Who's yours? Well, after that, how am I supposed to follow (laughs) Superman over here? I know you have one, though. I do. You have to have one. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you beat Han Solo in like the original (sighs) Star Wars? I should have known. Like, he's great. Yeah. Do you identify with him? Or you just like him? I mean, who doesn't? Right. A little bit. You identify with him more than Luke Skywalker? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, who is Luke even? (laughs) I mean, Luke's, just Luke's kind of annoying, honestly. Yeah, he but. is. He was very whiny and like he did, always, a little bit. You know, trying to move on to the next stage of life. No, Han Solo's cool. We're gonna lose followers on the podcast. Oh, yeah, probably. They're like, yeah, we're done with this. <laughs> no, but like, I don't know. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to do, and then he realizes once he starts to sort of build real loyalties that he gets pulled back into those even when he doesn't mm-hmm. want to yeah. mm-hmm. because deep down he's like a good person but on the outside most people are like who are you like you're yeah. the worst and he also is it, just that is always Tyler so Hoff like, right there isn't that can... oh my gosh <laughs> he's so charming though like every time yeah. you see him he like has wait who are we look. talking about now uh Han Solo oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah he's he's pretty <laughs> And he's got a big furry friend. That's, <laughs> so it makes it all the more fun. Yep. 
I, we should have seen that coming. Yeah. That was a should mild. Known she could that do that. Mi- well that was done. a mild version. Yeah, I mean, I know you can go full. Yeah. Well, today we are going to hear a lot about Jesus's character. We get a picture into kind of what he's about, and we really skip over a lot of his life, just started yeah. right into his ministry. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, Brendan, why don't you take us through the commentary for today and get us set up for it? Day two: the call and cost of following Jesus. At the end of yesterday's reading, Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God has come near. In today's reading, we encounter the first detailed stories of Jesus' kingdom work. Jesus begins to recruit followers, show signs that the kingdom is approaching, and give people a glimpse of his identity and character. The first story in this series reveals something unique about Jesus' character. He's an invitational leader. When he sees two pairs of brothers fishing in the Sea of Galilee, he calls to them, Come, follow me. For a person of Jesus' position, this invitation was countercultural. Writings from Jesus' time show that rabbis expected prospective students to seek them out, not the other way around. Jesus could have followed this custom. In fact, crowds repeatedly sought him out. However, in spite of his position and influence, Jesus took the initiative to go out and find followers for himself. This is a model for us. Too often we sit inside the walls of our churches and expect that potential believers should come to us. But in the kingdom of God, we make disciples by first going out to them. The story also reveals something about the cost of following Jesus. Mark tells us that after hearing the call, both sets of fishermen follow him at once, leaving behind valuable possessions like nets, a boat, and hired men. Two of them even abandon their father, a social crime that a contemporary Jewish text compares to blasphemy. The fishermen's total rejection of all that they have in order to follow Jesus reflects a theme that we will see throughout Mark. Jesus will bless those who choose to follow him a hundred times, but following him requires that they deny themselves completely. Jesus' call extends to us today. He invites us on the adventure of a lifetime, but following him means surrendering all we have and all we are. How will you choose to answer his call? For day two, we're reading Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 45. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Melissa, you want to take us through our discussion questions for day two? First question. Mark 1.35 tells us that Jesus woke up early and went to a solitary place. Interestingly, the word translated as solitary place is the same word translated in Mark 1.12-13 as wilderness. This is a type of place we might normally try to avoid, but Jesus frequently sought it out. Why do you suppose Jesus did this? How might we benefit from spending more time in places like this? Second question. For Jesus' first disciples, following Jesus literally meant walking with Him and behind Him. What do you suppose it should look like for people to follow Jesus today? Man, there's a lot in here about Jesus. He covers a lot of territory. He's the, <laughs> least the Galilean territory, at least. I mean, he shows up and just starts working. I mean, if you start healing people, that's probably <laughs> going to get a good a bit of attention, even yeah. if it's selfish among people. Like, oh, I have a friend who's got can a disease. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Like, Actually, so I was thinking about this yesterday because I was driving down Waukegan Road on my way to church, and there was a guy on the sidewalk who had a green cape and the craziest hair. Huh. And I was like, what is this guy's story? Okay, first yeah. off, that's my normal Wednesday morning. <laughs> that was Tyler. <laughs> and how dare you? <laughs> I was like, what is this guy's story? And it made me just start thinking a little bit about Jesus. He's not that weird. Yes. But he's visually probably not visually that weird. Not that but weird. Yeah, yeah. He looks normal, but he's doing some strange things that mm -hmm. gets people's attention and not everybody finds out. You know, this is not social media culture. It's a word of mouth culture, but news starts to spread mm -hmm. and pretty quickly that there's someone who's doing really crazy things there in, in Capernaum. You need to come check this out. And it seems like some people are like really excited about it. Yeah. And then some people are like really- What is happening? Like concerned yeah. or questioning. Yeah. You know, there's kind yeah. of two spectrums. Yeah. We'll see that a lot tomorrow, especially. Mm -hmm. Well, and just to name it, there's so much that happens in each day's reading. We'll probably not be able to talk about yeah. all of it. <laughs> there's, I mean, you could talk for days about yeah. dissecting all this stuff. And also there's yeah. so much historical context yeah. that goes into it. I mean, I've been to this region. Yeah. So I could tell you like exactly what happens in Capernaum mm -hmm. and like wow. where it is and what it's like. And like these guys were fishing out in the water. Jesus had to have a pretty loud voice if he yelled at them. Like <laughs> the fish are all like yeah. a good, you know, well, a few hundred yards so out. And there are two types of 
fishermen here, right. two pairs of brothers okay. doing two types of fishing. So some are in a boat, mm-hmm. which means they are out a little bit. They're not like yeah. by the shore. The others, they actually are not too far from the shore. They're doing a little, doing a little bait net, fish different type of net. Yeah. Hmm. And obviously his voice carries and people have done studies. On, yeah. <laughs> too <laughs> studies too on much this. probably. But. Uh, well, I mean, like there's in always that area? fun. Not for you, but yeah, for the I, rest I of I us. Enjoy yeah. They've done studies where you can test how a person's voice carries yeah. in oh, yeah. a certain region. So mm-hmm. either over the water or especially from the base of the water up mm-hmm. on the hills. Like in Mark 4, he teaches at this place, which archaeologists call the Cave of the Sower, right? Oh, yeah. Which they're pretty confident they know where this is because of the geography, the terrain, and the way his voice would project and allow him to speak to the masses. Interesting. Anyway. Well, so here's my question. He can just show up and ask these people to follow him and they like... Okay. They're like, neat. <laughs> Great. Let's do it. What's the like... Is this normal this century? Like people would just follow people. I mean, they call him rabbi. What is a rabbi? Yeah. And people just up and leave their jobs and follow them at this time? So there's a lot we could talk about here. A few things I want to point out. First off, it wasn't normal for rabbis to do this. We talked about this in the commentary, Mm -hmm. but you can look at the Mishnah, which is a Jewish collection of policies, regulations, teachings, whatever, written after the time of Jesus, many of them reflecting things that were contemporary in Jesus's day. And one thing we see a couple times, at least in the Mishnah, you have these Jewish teachers who say you should set up a master for yourself. And not only that, one adds, you should get a fellow disciple for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is that if you want to learn from a rabbi, it's something you need to take the initiative to do. It's Mm -hmm. not something rabbis would customarily doing. They're not exactly going out and calling people. And so it's really interesting that Jesus actually does this, that he's going along saying, hey, come follow me, learn from me. And you pointed out that it's really interesting that the disciples do this. Right. right? They just like up and leave. There's no context. In the other gospels, you have a little bit more context Mm -hmm. and you can see, okay, Jesus did this miracle clearly in front of them before he gives this call. And so it's like, okay, I understand why. In Mark, you don't get that. It's possible they heard his proclamation. So in Mark 1, 14 through 15, and how it ended yesterday. Jesus proclaims the good news, the kingdom of God is near. And then this story starts. So it's possible they've already had this encounter with mm-hmm. him and Mark. But I think Mark is doing potentially one of these two things. At least a variety of scholars would say this. One, a theme we see in all these stories that we read today is that Jesus has crazy power and especially a powerful voice. He does things with his voice. He heals people with his voice. He amazes people with his teaching. He cleanses, he heals a leper with mm-hmm. his voice. And here in this story, he calls calls disciples and they drop everything to follow him. Mm -hmm. And that's a sacrifice. It's socially unacceptable to leave behind your family, one. Mm -hmm. Two, I wouldn't call them rich, but some of them are rich enough to have a business. Mm -hmm. They own a boat, they own nets, two of the brothers at least. And so there's a sacrifice they have to make to do this. And some people would say this says something about the mysteriously alluring power of his voice, that these disciples would leave everything just to follow this guy without any context. So it maybe says something about his power. It also suggests something about the urgency of the gospel. You see this word immediately at once throughout Mm -hmm. the whole book. And it seems that Mark is saying, you need to make a decision about who Jesus is. Is he who he says he is? And more than that, are you willing to follow him? Because people can come to decisions about who he is, but they may not always follow him. Mm -hmm. People do that in the book of Mark, and we do that today. Well, the fact that these guys even have a business, I mean, most Jewish boys at this time would go through sort of the rabbinical process a little bit, right? Do some sort of train. Yeah. I mean, and so they would go to school basically. And the hope is if they were really good Jewish boys, that they would end up with a rabbi eventually if they were seeking one out and the rabbi accepted them. Mm -hmm. So these guys weren't. 
some yeah. of those people, oh, right? Because yeah. they were mm-hmm. back in the boats. Mm-hmm. And it's unique that Jesus called these guys, the guys that did go back into the world, they weren't in the temple system. Yeah, they're not in the schools and they're also not in the centers of power, yeah. like mm-hmm. the power yeah. centers of the world. So yeah. he could be going to Jerusalem. He could be going mm-hmm. to Tiberias as a major city right by the Sea of Galilee. He could go to Sephora. He never goes to those places. He goes to places like Capernaum, which, yeah, it's on a major road, but... Again, this is a small fishing village. He goes to places like that and people like these guys, and these are the ones he uses to build his kingdom. So kind of the not likely ones to be chosen. Yeah. Well, you know, usually they're not the ones that are getting chosen. They're the ones that are doing the choosing too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pretty much everything is backwards about what Jesus is doing yeah. right. so far. He's like flipping the script. Shows a good bit about his character. It teaches us a lot about his character. The way I think about it, he's invitational. He goes out, he seeks out people, he chooses people. And I think for us, that's so important Mm -hmm. because it's a reminder that Jesus has chosen us Mm -hmm. as well. He chooses me, he chooses you. He wants to use you. He's calling you to follow him. There's a major sacrifice we have to make there and we have to decide whether we're willing to accept that invitation, but he wants us and wants to use us. Which is very humbling, I think. We know ourselves. We know that we are not worthy. I'm sure these guys were pretty stinky, pretty gross, you know, like working with fish. And I wonder if they even imagined that they were worthy of a calling like this. Mm. Well, they get to witness some pretty crazy things, Mm -hmm. right? They go right from this to Jesus is casting out demons and teaching people. There's this one passage and it says, you know, he even orders to impure spirits that they obey him. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak Mm. because they knew who he was. Yeah. That's confusing. (laughs) Why would he not let the demons speak? Yeah. For me, I'm like, well, I should get all the clout that I can get right now. <laughs> or is he just like trying to save spoilers or something yeah. for his, like mm-hmm. this is a movie, yep. like all of our favorite characters are in. He's What uh, are we waiting for? He's somewhat hiding his <laughs> yeah. character. Mm-hmm. We'll actually get into this in a couple of days. So mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to. Okay. So you're Spoiler. not going to let, you're not going to speak either. Well, let's talk about this you're briefly You're so here. much like Jesus. So a couple <laughs> So we're going to talk about this in a couple of days, so I don't want to unpack it too much here, but there's a theme we see in the book of Mark called the messianic secret, where he sometimes asks either people, or in this case, demons, mm-hmm. not to say who he is. And we won't go through all the ideas about what he's doing, but at least with the demons, there might be a couple things at play. One, we can read these Jewish magical texts that talk about how basically an exorcist could overcome a demon or a demon could overcome an exorcist. And the way they could do this was by speaking the name of the demon with this magical formula. And notice what the demon says about Jesus. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And this testifies to who Jesus is for Mm -hmm. us as readers. So God has already spoken about who Jesus is. He says, you are my son. You have demons confessing. So you have these supernatural beings who are clued in just like we are. The first verse of the book, Mark has told us who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. but no one else in the setting knows this. No person has made this declaration yet. So you do sort of get some sort of testimony about who Jesus is, but there could also be a bit of the demon sort of doing this reverse process Mm. where he's speaking the name of Jesus and attempting to overcome him. Mm. And by Jesus silencing the demon, he's basically saying, you have no power here. And this becomes a theme then in chapter three, when people talk about how Jesus is overcoming demons by the power of demons. And no, Jesus is actually expressing his authority over dark supernatural powers. 
So we'll get more to that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah, later. we'll talk about that more. It's really fascinating when you start to see that then with people. Mm-hmm. Actually, you see it in this mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit with people. Yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. other thing I guess I'll add is demons aren't the best witnesses either. I mean, <laughs> as it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out. So if a demon knows who he is, mm-hmm. is that the source he wants going around telling people mm-hmm. about uh, who he is? And yeah. especially for the first time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to hear it from a bad messenger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's interesting is the calling of his disciples, but also he goes in to start healing people and casting out demons. He heals this person with leprosy and says, go and show yourself to the temple yeah. priests mm-hmm. rather than tell everybody. I'm guessing it has a little bit of the same feel of like, who do you want telling this yeah. story mm-hmm. the first time? Mm-hmm. But also it is interesting that he's like, go and show yourselves to the temple priests. Yeah. Like what's the background behind that? Is mm-hmm. that a ritualistic cleansing process that he had to do? Or is Jesus trying to be like, hey guys, look what I did. <laughs> That's good. And I think it's both. When a person is unclean, if they've become clean, let's say, especially like a skin disease, sure. they do have to show themselves to the priests and do so these that processes. They can but, become part of a society again? Is that like yeah. kind of so the they're, process? So they're outsiders, yeah. they're brought in. And I think in some ways, he's undermining the temple system. He's making them clean. Already. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Day two. He's reversing the process. <laughs> mm-hmm. Typically, if someone is unclean and they touch you, this is why they're an outsider. Mm-hmm. They make you unclean. Right. Jesus does the reverse. He touches them and makes them clean. So he like would that. have been contaminated, but he actually decontaminates the mm. man, makes him clean and expresses the power that temple authorities would typically have in declaring that this man is clean. Mm-hmm. And so he sends him to the temple, but says, don't tell anyone mm-hmm. because he will very clearly confront the temple system, but now he's already showing his power over mm-hmm. the temple system. And again, he doesn't want people to misunderstand who he is mm-hmm. and to draw these conclusions until he's more clearly revealed what yeah. he's about. This is the theme that intrigues me the most, how he holds the secret and why he no. does and at the point Well, I think it's because... It's so easy for people to take and manipulate Jesus and his power and his authority for yeah. our own purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mark calls him a Messiah, but people had very different ideas about what a Messiah was supposed to do. And the one conclusion nobody had about the Messiah is that the Messiah is supposed to die on a cross and set up a kingdom characterized by that. No one wanted that kind of kingdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. if he claims to be the Messiah and this is his route, there are going to be a lot of upset people who misunderstand very what right. especially the people who are in the most power and yeah. are saying yeah. so strongly the opposite of what Jesus yeah. actually is, right? Yeah. My thing that is interesting about Jesus and the way he starts his ministry, Jesus models a like unique type of leadership at this time. Yeah. You know, at this time the goal is to just ride that chain. Yeah. Take the step and get more and more power. So you have mm-hmm. more and more influence. So your voice can be the strongest. Jesus is kind of doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. He resists it in a lot of he ways. He resists it. He doesn't want people to know who he is. Yeah. He's actually right. like, hey, just go show them. But and when like, the crowds are looking for him, he's hanging out in the wilderness. Yeah, all right. by himself. Let's go to other towns now. Yeah. He wakes up early, goes mm-hmm. find seclusion. But even how he leads his followers, he goes and he picks them and says, I want you yeah. to be a part mm-hmm. of it. And yeah. the value that speaks to them mm-hmm. is again countercultural because yeah. it's not the sensational leader type person who's looking for clout, yeah. looking to be in front of people. Mm-hmm. It's a humble thing. Right. For me, like that's who I want to follow. But like as people who lead small groups or mm-hmm. lead volunteers or lead parts of a church, it really shows you how you're supposed to act, even just from this first reading. Yeah. And I think sometimes we look at churches and it looks like they're just waiting for people to walk in the doors that need Jesus, yeah. you know? And I think that this picture and this model is showing us that we have to go to the people. We have to go into the world and be 
in the world and not separated from it. And so I think like just even in our everyday lives, like who are we seeing that maybe just needs a smile or a hug or a great job or thanks for making my coffee so well, you know, in a way of like showing love and kindness to others. But then I think also to build those relationships, because it looks like that's what Jesus is doing here is his intention is to build relationships to build followers yeah. and not just look at me. I'm such a great person. He didn't change who these people are. No. Right? He just yeah. brought them along with him because he yeah. saw value in them. Right. right. That's kind of the wild thing is they give up everything to follow him, but mm-hmm. as we'll discover, there's a lot of work <laughs> these guys. Yeah. Made. And um, just like, Full spoiler, this yeah. is not the last time they'll be fishing. <laughs> right. They bring right? their worms with them. Yes. They're and, ready to go. And their lack of fishing ability. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that is true. So for me, I'm like looking at this. If this is my first time reading this, mm-hmm. this all sounds neat. It's a good story. Yeah. Right. But for me, I'm like, so you're asking me to drop everything and follow this guy mm-hmm. who was just like basically some hippie dude teacher. Sounds similar to Gandhi, mm-hmm. but like further back. Mm-hmm. And you want me to just like drop everything? And what does that look like? Why would I want to do that today? Well, I think one, he's different from Gandhi because Gandhi can't do the things that Jesus is doing here. That's mm-hmm. that's one. He's expressing magnificent power. And the thing he's preaching, mm-hmm. he's showing it's here. The kingdom of God is here. But as for why you would drop everything to follow him and what does that look like? Well, at that time, I mean, Jesus is literally asking these guys to walk behind him. Mm-hmm. But as we'll discover in this book, this idea of following becomes a major theme. In fact, there's a section, maybe you can call it this, the second act of the book. He's shown as walking on the way to Jerusalem where he would fulfill his role, become the Messiah by dying on a cross. Mm-hmm. And in that section, as he's traveling on the way, he's teaching about the way of the Messiah, the way of the kingdom, what it looks like to be a part of this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And following him, yeah, for them meant walking with him, but it much more, it looks like living a life like he did. It's expressing allegiance to him, saying, you're my king, and if you're my king and this is how you live, I'm going to live this way too. A life of service, a life of invitation, a life of hospitality, a life of generosity. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to follow him, I think, in our world today. Melissa, what does it look like to live and follow this yeah. practically? I think it's a willingness to set aside the things that I think I want for myself or that are best for me and surrendering it to whatever God wants me to do. And I think because of the love that I've experienced through him and the way that he has supported me and walked with me through some really, really difficult times in my life, I think that's the testimony that I know he's real and I know he's there and I know that he brings hope and joy in places that have been super dark in my life. And so I want that to be maybe what I share with others about like, why I follow Jesus, you know, why he's worth following is because despite who I am and the flaws that I have and the things that I do, he still loves me and he still walks with me Mm. through it. And I love that idea of like, as they are going on the way, you Mm -hmm. know, he is showing them the way, you know, and like, he's always teaching and always using every moment to point them back to God, to point them to who he is, you know, I love that. Like, I love that he doesn't miss a moment to teach them. And I love the way you talked about it because that's so easy to miss. Mm -hmm. I think this idea of following, it's walking behind, Mm -hmm. but it's also walking with. And that's a theme throughout scripture from Genesis 2. From the very beginning of the Bible, God is walking with 
he's a relational God. Yeah. And that's not how gods in that world, when people thought about the gods, that's not how they were described. Mm. They aren't friends with you. They aren't companions with you. Certainly we follow him. We learn from God and try to live in his ways, but we also have a relationship with him where he's walking with Mm -hmm. us. And so in our darkest moments in life, he's right there helping us along. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that speaks to me through this is walking and being with Jesus. What Jesus promises is not going to be safe. Right. It's definitely not going to be secure in any way because you just left all your financial possessions behind. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be popular. It's not the American dream. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. We're not Mm going to set up a nice house in the suburbs and like Mm -hmm. have a nice comfy, cozy life for you where you go to church on Sundays and compartmentalize your life and raise a few kids to be like, there's nothing safe about this, but the promise that he does have is you're going to see God working in the world Mm -hmm. and you see it right away. This first chapter, right? He's healing people. He's calling out demons, but buckle up. This is not a normal comfy ride. This is something completely unique. Mm -hmm. And we're just starting to see the beginning of that. Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Mark podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. To check out even more resources, children and family resources, and ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org and share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.